Hello, my name is Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome back to the 905er. This is our weekly 905er roundup where we take a look around the 905 region and see what else is making the news and what else we should be talking about. Uh, why don't we start us off with uh, you, Roland? What have you found us happening here in uh, our backyard of Burlington? Well, yeah. Anybody familiar with Burlington over the last decade, decade and a half, really, will know that the, the, the perennial story is, is relates to development and council's ability to control, influence that development for good or bad or otherwise. So a development at Lakeshore Road and Pearl, which is right in the downtown, had gone to the newly uh, renamed Ontario Land Tribunal. And the city's, uh, so the city, many will know, went through a very lengthy and then revised official plan process. And there were huge arguments about what the the new heights should be for downtown. It'd been made clear by the OMB that the current heights they considered not tall enough and not dense enough, whichever way you want to put it. So there was you know, a prolonged battle and an election in which the mayor changed and a whole lot of other stuff. And the city ended up with a recommendation for 17 stories. And the idea behind this was, well, 17 stories is, a, is at least defensible, whereas whatever would have been before, which is probably something like five stories under the old official plan, was simply not defensible when you go to these appeal tribunals. Well, fat lot of good that's done us because... An application for 29-storey development has been approved. There's no kind of compromise between the city and the developer. The, the developer got their way entirely. They asked for 29, they got 29, which would make it, as far as I know, currently the tallest approved development, certainly in downtown Burlington, maybe not the tallest in the city, in that up by the GO station, there's some really big ones coming. It's the problem again of, 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 of how cities and the province interact over development and and the the issues there. But what makes this one a bit more unique is this time the mayor and the ward councillor for the, the area, uh, so Mayor, Mayor, uh, mayor Marianne Mead Ward, whom we've had on the podcast before, as well as uh, councillor for Ward 2, Lisa Kearns, both put out a joint statement press release, basically condemning the, the decision and saying that they, they aren't, they're not taking into account the, the will of the people in Burlington, which it, I think that's a fair a fair criticism for the mayor mayor and uh, the councillor to make. I, I do want to point out to our listeners that we did reach out to both of them to come on the podcast uh, to talk about this issue, but they declined. Well, the mayor's office declined because this is and they're they're potentially looking at legal action for this for this decision and what their options are with the Ontario Land Tribunal. So I mean we're going to respect that that decision. We'd like we'd love to have them on to discuss this in far more depth and in in detail. But I understand they want to keep their options open for uh, whatever might happen. However, I, I'm going to look at this kind of through the political lens, which to me I, I find is is kind of interesting. Is that this is coming off the, the heels of, if everybody remembers back in the, the a few months ago, there was a big press conference outside Burlington City Hall where the mayor, uh, Mayor Mead Ward, along with the local MPP, Jane McKenna, and the Minister for Municipal Affairs, Steve Clark, all had a big press conference where they announced, hey, you know, we're, Burlington's got a big win. We're going to move all the uh, development, the urban growth center that was in the downtown, which was 
the argument was made that it was helping to fuel all this development in the downtown. They're moving it to where ghost stations were in away from the downtown in Burlington, and that this was going to help fuel the defense of preserving the downtown, how Burlingtonians wanted it. The problem is I think this decision has kind of torpedoed that philosophy or that movement. It's not so much this torpedo, it's that the so the city immediately after that um, announcement with the uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs, the city immediately kind of asked the OLT to kind of take that into account. It's decisions like okay, the, the 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 minister has not officially done this, put this into effect yet, but he has said that he will. Therefore, we should bear that in mind when we take appeals to the OLT, which on the surface at least seems like a reasonable point. And I don't know what the arguments were. However, the the OLT said, no, we're going to pretend that doesn't exist until it actually exists. Um, and we're going to continue doing everything as we would have done uh, regardless. So right now, every development that comes to the OLT is being considered under the old conditions. I mean, the real issue, to my mind, the big picture issue is that once again, and, and we've been saying with this for years, is Municipal planning departments really, when it comes to the big developments, not so much with the small stuff, but with the big developments, they simply do not count. It's almost farcical how little effect, how little power a city has over anything to do with high-rise development or the, the, the kind of applications that come from, from the major developers. We've been through this entire lengthy, extremely costly um, official plan process, which has basically taken most of the last eight years to, to kind of go through in an almost painful detail. But the, the very first things which were coming to the OLT have not just been contrary to the new official plans, they have blasted that new official plan out of the water by matters of 10 stories or more, 10, 12 stories. Well, so I, mean, I, I, I I'm going to give myself a pat on the back, if if you will, because we we talked about this back back in the day when the uh, the change of the urban growth center from downtown Burlington to the GO stations, and there's this big hoopla over, oh hey, we're we're all, you know, we've we solved this problem and we're going to get take back control of the downtown. And I said, no, you're. I I called it right there. I said, no, you're not. There, there's no, the market is going. There's too much of a market demand for the downtown core. I mean, that's they're just going to build high rises, and I I figured this was going to happen. The, the argument is made: if you have one high rise down there, wh where's the line? You have one, you can always add the another. Precedent has been set right. and set and set and set. Right, and, and, so, these, and, I, and that's when that's, I was running for. But that's essentially what what the uh, the Ontario Land Tribunal has said. That was in their arguments that we already have all these high rises. Why? Why don't you? Why can't you add just one more? What's What's the harm in it? And under that logic, they're right. However, it's something that you and I have been kind of going on for well since day one of this podcast was that you know put the power in the hands of the local people to determine what they want. Now, I mean that that's in its own problem is that the because people think of the the official plan is like oh no we're going to put a you know a high-rise building here we're going to put a park here we're going to put a, a community rec center here and a library here and that's going to that's where everything's going to fit and that's not what an official plan is no i mean official plans really they never were entirely that but now they're not 
they're really not worth the paper they're written on. They are a starting point for negotiations, but they're not even even saying that, which is what everybody used to say is like, well, you know, the official plan should be the official plan and not a starting point for negotiations. They're not really a starting point for negotiations anymore. Developer asks for what they want. The city says something. The developer doesn't care really what the city says. The city appeals no. it to LPAT. The LPAT gives them what they want. Am I oversimplifying it? It doesn't always work that way. The LPAT doesn't 100% support developers. However, not, not sorry, not um, LPAT, OLT, the Ontario Land Tribunal. That's the, yeah. that's, that's the body that we're talking about. But I mean, that's the thing. The, the, keep, the rules keep getting changed. Every couple, yeah. every couple of years or so, the, the government changes the name of this, the arbitration body that, the, that we go and What to. I will say in, in Marianne Meadboard's defense is that if the things that she is doing now had been done for eight years earlier by a previous council, the previous, uh, um, then we'd be looking at a very different situation now because uh, under the the rules that were introduced by the Liberal government in its kind of dying days, uh, literally before it was, briefly before it was booted out, there was hope that these things could work. Now what's happening is, is sadly, and I don't really blame anybody for this, but it's shutting the, the, the barn door long after the horse has bolted. Mm -hmm. the, the approvals that are already on the books, and probably what will happen, even if they do move the Urban Growth Centre, is that they'll say, well, everything that's already on the books goes forward as if nothing has changed. Right. Everything from now on can be considered under the new rules. Well, what's already on the books is... You know, as far as most people in Burlington considered game over for downtown Burlington. See what I thought, what, what, what it gets me though, is there's this, the, the ideas that you had, there's supposed to be an impartial body. The problem is it's hard for municipalities to make the argument of, we want autonomy over our own structures. Cause it, it, I mean, when you let's, let's be honest, they, a municipality does not, they are, they have no real rights other than what the province gives them. They are a creation of the province by their very nature. Uh, they, there's no, it's not like, a, you know, they could say, oh, municipal rights, provincial rights, federal rights. That's not how it works. They are completely at the creation of the province, which means a lot of the time it's, and this is what I think needs to happen. Is that this, the municipalities kind of need to get together and gang up on the provincial government because this is a, not a, just a Burlington issue. And this is kind of why we, we want to keep talking about it is that we've seen this issue happen in Hamilton. We've seen it happen in Oakville. We see it happening in Mississauga. We see it happening along the, the QEW, you know, St. Catharines, Niagara Falls. And each community says, well, no, we want to develop things differently. Some might want a high, a high rise condo tower. Some might want more park space. Some might want to develop more industrial land. It, whatever the case may be, everyone wants a different piece. And therefore none of them can team up. To, there's no precedent. You can't say, well, look at what you did for Oakville. And hy hypothetically, you know, look what you did in Mississauga. Well, why, if you did it for them, why can't you do it for us? Well, no, because Burlington's needs are different than Oak, than Mississauga's. And it's this divide and conquer mentality that yes, the developers always want the same thing just to build another condo tower, whether or not we really need it or not, or that style that's to be determined. However, the system was set up against municipalities because you can't, a municipality can't say, well, you gave, you know, you, you, you ruled in favor of London or Kitchener Waterloo or Guelph last week. Why can't you rule in favor of us? for a similar situation this week. Oh no, your situation is different and so on and so forth. And, well, I guess that, and that's my beef is that we're, this, at least in the 905, all the municipalities are kind of fighting the wrong battle. 
it's this and they're all fighting the battle separately right. and they're all losing which you know the change change can only come from the provincial government it's not going to come from this provincial government it's made it's made its intentions very very clear so that gives you two alternatives if we if we you know should, i'm not discounting the greens but the, the the parties that look like they have the chance of forming a government after the next election should they be popular enough are the ndp and the um uh, liberals the ontario liberals the municipalities should be kicking down the doors of Stephen Del Duca and Andrea Horvath, demanding major policy changes, major major policy announcements on how planning in Ontario is going to get changed. I mean, this is the point I made to our guest last week from the Stop the Sprawl group in Hamilton. That you know, it's like what 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 are the what are the opposition uh, guys saying? And she said they are they are doing things, and and, and I kind of feel like. Yeah, I'm sure they are making the right noises sometimes, but it's, you know, compared with the kind of noises that get made, say, about uh, sick days for, for uh, during the whole COVID crisis, you know, it's just not on the radar. I'm not seeing articles in the press. Why is that? This is an issue that is incredibly important to people living in the 905 region and, and because it's about urban autonomy. And, and, it's, actually, a level and it should of, be brought up. Uh, Again, like we've said in the federal election, you need the 905 to win in this province. Um, there's that, and that's what that's what I don't quite get about all the all the municipal councils and the municipal uh, mayors. Where's this united front to say no? Give us the get, like eliminate the the uh, Ontario Land Tribunal. Just give us the final say. You know, trust us to help develop. And here's the thing: you made the the. This current government, I don't think, is going to make that change because it's it's clear they want to encroach in on the green belt. They want to dismantle the green belt to allow sprawl to continue. They want to build highways that are that are questionable at best. Um, and they the problem is they don't they realize that they don't have the municipalities on their side. Municipalities want to preserve the green belt. They want to talk about okay, well let's just let's find other ways to to grow or to build. And that's the thing is that that you know there's there's no there's no trust in in the municipal government either either you do that either you do away you, you do away with the planning departments in every municipality and just ship it up to the province and you say okay there's a department in Queens Park that rubber stamps uh, uh, developments or not and they they very well could don't don't I'm not don't even tell me that that's oh you can't do that it, it's too complicated no it's not you just have some guy literally just Stamping permission forms at Queens Park, saying to uh, uh, developers, "Yeah, I carve up this land, build a bulldoze this, pay that, whatever." The, you're right. Going, but you, if the the cities in the 905 want to see this change, they need to start getting a little bit more tough politically. Um, I, I, on that note, on the political politics note, uh, I was rambling for a bit, and I want to make this point. I think Mayor Mead Ward has put herself into a corner. I think she knows this. Um, if she doesn't, she can come on and, and refute it. But giving the minister Clark cover with that press conference and MPP McKenna, she very much, like she endorsed the, the plan that the, they don't, they don't need her for anything else. They don't actually need to pass this forward. She, they got their press conference. Jane McKenna got to appear to be on the side of, 
you know, giving Burlington the, the powers to be. They they got that appearance, and they got the they you know a managed to tell people, oh, see, we care about municipalities. We give the municipalities what they want, but they really haven't. And you know, it, well, and and the municipalities are, are a craven bunch of bums by and large, um, because the the the, the MZO process, the ministerial zoning order process, which obviously the the province has shown that it's willing to use MZOs in a way they were never intended to be used, just basically to do exactly what you just said, to upload municipal decision-making to the province um, whenever it wants to. Now, the municipalities should be crying blue murder about this. It's like, don't you dare take these powers away from us that are our powers. What's happening instead? They're writing begging letters to the minister. Oh, can you do an MZO for us? Can you do an MZO for us? Can you do an MZO for us? So they're, they're kicking themselves in the Oh, you know, uh, every single one of them. You're right. It's not. It's not just Burlington. Um, and, and, and no, no. This is this a general, is a general thing. thing, and it, it, this is time and time again we see this happening. That they they're being played off one another by this by this government very much so. And if they kind of stopped and actually talked with each other and realized, you know, we we yeah we we're not gonna we're not gonna get it by asking nicely. We need to pick a you know you kind of draw a line in the sand or kind of pick a fight and say. No, give it to us. There's an election coming up. If if the municipal uh, leadership wanted to start throwing their weight behind certain NDP or certain liberal candidates, it would shake things up. The cities have always been in a crappy situation dating back to John A. Macdonald. It's not tenable anymore. It, it's not good enough. We need our cities to be able to govern themselves properly. And we need to trust democracy to work. You know, the, the, the people who say, well, we can't let cities have too much power because the NIMBYs might do this or the NIMBYs might do that. It's like the NIMBYs have exactly the same number of votes as the rest of us do. Um, I do trust democracy, you don't. Right. You don't get to say, well, we trust democracy apart from when people we don't like vote. No, that's not how it works. You've got to trust it. You've got to trust local government to work the way it should. I, mean, I would like to see the AMO, it's the, so the Association of uh, Municipalities of Ontario, being used by by these mayors um, as kind of you know a forum to seriously take it to the province to say this is not acceptable anymore. Uh, we're going to do whatever it takes to get a government in Queens Park that that will um, pay attention to our needs in, in a much more serious way. Um, you know, and you're not going to get unanimity on that because you've you've got regions like York which are, which are see things in a different way, which have a more conservative leaning. I think overall across the 905, um, you would, uh, and including Toronto in that actually, um, the problems these cities are all facing, that are the same problems. It's the province overstepping what is anything like a reasonable degree of um, sharing power with the municipalities. Anyway, that's my rant for the week. You've got a, another story, uh, Joel, and it's um, it's 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 that school board again. <laughs> yes, the uh, <laughs> the 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 school board that never seems to get itself out of the news. So the Halton Catholic District School Board is back in the news, and yes, it's not for for the best of reasons. So t this, we're recording this on Tuesday, tomorrow, Wednesday, November third. They were supposed to host a. I'm going to try and bring it up. So basically, it's a, a it was going to be a parent workshop for Black families in the board. Um, and if you are already questioning 
what's going on by that title, yes, you're very much right to to raise some eyebrows. Basically, the the workshop was to educate parents on how to raise um, strong mental mental healthy black children in the school board. Um, yeah, it, it didn't go over well with a lot of parents. Um, they're, they're, they, within a, a few days, uh, I believe actually the next day, uh, there's a follow-up email sent out by the, uh, by the school board, basically saying they're canceling the, the event, uh, because, uh, they were hearing, uh, such, such alarm from, uh, from parents and parents groups. And one of those parents groups was the Halton Catholic parent for change whom we've had on before on the, on the podcast. They were, they were brought up to the fact that it, you know, if you're going to address this in a lens, like do it holistically, like address, you know, approach from an anti-racism standpoint. And this, this, this got the attention of the Toronto star, the Toronto star printed an article basically uh, outlined this whole fiasco. Um, And it's, you know, I, I guess their, their intentions were in the right place, but man, oh man, did they, they missed the, the mark on this big time. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I, you know, and we, we have to recognize our own, um, the lack of qualification to, to, to comment very confidently on this subject. However, it's, I don't know whether it, this came from staff or whether it came from the, well, the, the trustees the, themselves. Well, the, or, the person or, who was going to lead this was a Michael Asiama. Uh, uh, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that name right. If I'm not, uh, Michael, please let me know. Um, who who has done work on anti-racism in the school and working with black families in the Catholic school board who are unfortunately having to deal with racism. Um, and I think that the intention was, it sounded like the intention was there to help reach out on, on, a, on a wider level. I would counter that with if this needs to happen you need to it's not the black families you need to reach out to it's everyone else if if it's so widespread that you need to go and try to empower black families and black students to deal with the world as it is i think you kind of have to raise a flag and say what kind of schools are are we are we having here yeah i mean i think was well, certainly the way it was interpreted was that you know this is this is telling victims how to cope with exactly. being victims where, where you should be, it's like, no, fix, fix the problem. Not, not the, uh, not the symptom. Um, uh, and you know, obviously it's a, that's the way of approaching things, which, which has rightly been, uh, challenged with regard to, um, women and girls as well with, you know, like the old, some of the old canards that used to be sort of bandied around about, um, what people wore and things like that. Um, so it certainly seems to have been misjudged in how it was framed. I think um, certainly it seems to have been the case. Um, I mean, we can say of HDSB is, is hopefully people are learning and that um, this leads to something better next time around. Um, but it, it, it well, it's difficult. I, I mean, we don't know. Well, I don't know who who um, was, you know, kind of driving the organisation of this event. But if it's coming from the kind of uh, at the top, so to speak, it speaks to a sort of generalised pattern of, of kind of. It's, um, it's 
fouling what the ball I, what up I, what into I the stand. What I took away from it is it's, the, uh, it's playing kind of into that, like the white savior trope, right? You know, we're, we're and it's, and it's in the worst possible way. Cause I, I, like I say, if the problem is that bad that you need to have uh, special seminars to say how to deal with race to, you're going to address to black families, let's deal with the racism that's being inflicted upon you and how you can cope with it. It's no, why your school, why wouldn't you go in and re and educate all students? This is unacceptable in, in, in modern times, you know, what, what, why it's one of those things like, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 I'm, looking, I'm looking on their website now and they have a, a document called racism and discrimination responding with faith, hope, and love. I'm screaming through it a lot. I mean, a lot of it's like, you know, quoting from the Bible, you know, HCDSB aspires to uphold that all people are created in the image and likeness of God. And as such dignity is inherent in all. And they quote Genesis chapter one, uh, verse 27 and, and whatnot. That's all well and good. But you know, <laughs> it, it, here's the thing. You're a school. If, if you, if your staff are being racist towards students, that's what that's one thing that needs to be addressed. Why aren't you doing that? And if your students are, if it's the students that are are, are are perpetuating this, then you need to work on your curriculum. You know, maybe maybe you know all that stuff about, you know, and this goes back to I think it all ties into what happened back in June with the Pride flag. Yes, I know they're two different social groups. However. If you're willing to say, well, the one thing doesn't matter, it's really easy to turn to another thing that, well, that doesn't matter either. You know, the, the homophobia and racism, I think, are kind of cousins on the bigotry spectrum uh, and, and t often tend to walk hand in hand with each other. So I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm also not that they kind of missed the mark on this one. And it, it's made it so always, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we should just offer, you know, anybody who is involved with organizing this. I mean, I'm noticing, I'm just look, looking at the star website here. Uh, the, the presenters who, who were planned to present it were, were two social workers. I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to make the assumption. And I hope nobody is offended by me making that assumption, judging by their names that they are black. And that would obviously make logical sense in the circumstances. And that they obviously felt this was a worthwhile thing um, to do. So, um, you know, it's possible that there are sides to this story that we're, we're not seeing. Um, just sort of leave the door open on that. But um, I certainly think, um, I mean, j judging by the reaction of the, the advocacy group, Parents for Black Children, who, who kind of said, you know, this is this is just kind of misplaced. It's making, it's, it's striking the wrong tone. However, you know, if there are children who are already traumatized through being at a Halton school, and have dealt with the racism because they're they're black. Perhaps this event would have helped them um, deal with that fallout. You know, and maybe it's just a matter of how the thing is described that has kind of um, led to um, led to this. You know, like if, if trauma already exists, the, the school has mm -hmm. a duty to deal with that. Um, the the problem kind of was saying, well, you might come across trauma in our schools. Here's how to avoid it, which is a, a kind of like, well, shouldn't you be fixing exactly. the trauma? You know, uh, just just uh, that those kind of nuances, I think, just uh, maybe worth um, well exploring or, um, or or bearing in mind. Yes, well, uh, we shall see. I guess we'll see what mischief the uh, HCDSB gets up to in the future. <laughs> um, 
they certainly do keep <sighs> us busy. No kidding. Well, I'm going to call it a call it a night for us uh, on the the 905er podcast. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening. Please uh, go visit our Patreon and our Buy Me a Coffee page. All links are in the show notes. Help support us. Throw us a few bucks. All goes towards keeping the lights on here at 905er headquarters. Right. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.